0: Section Thirty Nine of Monsieur Lecoq, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phil Schneider, Monsieur Lecoq by Émile Gaboriau, Part One, Section Thirty Nine it was six o'clock and the dawn was just breaking when father absinthe and his companion reached the station-house where they found the superintendent seated at a small table making out his report he did not move when they entered failing to recognize them under their disguises but when they mentioned their names he rose with evident cordiality and held out his hand upon my word he said i congratulate you on your capture last night father absinthe and lecoq exchanged an anxious look what capture they both asked in a breath why that individual you sent me last night so carefully bound well what about him the superintendent burst into a hearty laugh so you are ignorant of your good fortune said he ah luck has favored you and you will receive a handsome reward pray tell us what we've captured asked father absinthe impatiently a scoundrel of the deepest dye an escaped convict who has been missing for three months. You must have a description of him in your pocket—Joseph Couturier, in short." On hearing these words, Lecoq became so frightfully pale that Father Absinthe, fearing he was going to faint, raised his arms to prevent his falling. A chair stood close by, however, and on this Lecoq allowed himself to drop. Joseph Couturier, he faltered, evidently unconscious of what he was saying joseph couturier an escaped convict the superintendent certainly did not understand lecoq's agitation any better than father absinthe's discomfited air you have reason to be proud of your work your success will make a sensation this morning he repeated you have captured a famous prize i can see gevrol's nose now when he hears the news only yesterday he was boasting that he alone was capable of securing this dangerous rascal After such an irreparable failure as that which had overtaken Lecoq, the unintended irony of these compliments was bitter in the extreme. The superintendent's words of praise fell on his ears like so many blows from a sledgehammer. You must be mistaken, he eventually remarked, rising from his seat and summoning all his energy to his assistance. That man is not Couturier. Oh, I am not mistaken. You may be quite sure of that. He fully answers the description appended to the circular, ordering his capture, and even the little finger of his left hand is lacking, as is mentioned. Ah, that's proof indeed, groaned Father Absinthe. It is indeed, and I know another one more conclusive still. Coutelier is an old acquaintance of mine. I have had him in custody before, and he recognized me last night, just as I recognized him. After this, further argument was impossible. Hint, it was in an entirely different tone that Lecoq remarked, "'At least, my friend, you will allow me to address a few questions to your prisoner. Oh, as many as you like. But first of all, let us bar the door and place two of my men before it. This Coutelier has a fondness for the open air, and he wouldn't hesitate to dash out our brains if he only saw a chance of escape.' after taking these precautions the man was removed from the cage in which he had been confined he stepped forward with a smile on his face having already recovered that nonchalant manner common to old offenders who when in custody seem to lose all feeling of anger against the police they are not unlike those gamblers who after losing their last halfpenny nevertheless willingly shake hands with their adversary Couturier at once recognized Lecoq. Ah, said he, it was you who did that business last night. You can boast of having a solid fist. You fell upon me very unexpectedly, and the back of my neck is still the worse for your clutch. Then if I were to ask a favor of you, you wouldn't be disposed to grant it? Oh, yes, all the same. I have no more malice in my composition than a chicken, and I rather like your face. What do you want of me? I should like to have some information about the man who accompanied you last night.' Couturier's face darkened. "'I am really unable to give you any,' he replied. "'Why? Because I don't know him. I never saw him before last night. It's hard to believe that. A fellow doesn't enlist the first comer for an expedition like yours last night. Before undertaking such a job with a man, one finds out something about him. I don't say I haven't been guilty of a stupid blunder.' replied Coutillier. Indeed, I could murder myself for it, but there was nothing about the man to make me suspect that he belonged to the Secret Service. He spread a net for me, and I jumped into it. It was made for me, of course, but it wasn't necessary for me to put my foot into it. You are mistaken, my man, said Lecoq. The individual in question didn't belong to the police force. I pledge you my word of honor he didn't. For a moment. Couturier surveyed lecoq with a knowing air as if he hoped to discover whether he were speaking the truth or attempting to deceive him i believe you he said at last and to prove it i'll tell you how it happened i was dining alone last evening in a restaurant in the Rue Mouffetard when that man came in and took a seat beside me naturally we began to talk and i thought him a very good sort of fellow i forget how it began but somehow or other he mentioned that he had some clothes he wanted to sell and being glad to oblige him i took him to a friend who bought them from him it was doing him a good turn wasn't it well he offered me something to drink and i returned the compliment we had a number of glasses together and by midnight i began to see double He then began to propose a plan which he swore would make us both rich. It was to steal the plate from a superb mansion. There would be no risk for me. He would take charge of the whole affair. I had only to help him over the wall and keep watch. The proposal was tempting, was it not? You would have thought so if you had been in my place, and yet I hesitated but the fellow insisted he swore that he was acquainted with the habits of the house that monday evening was a grand gala night there and that on these occasions the servants didn't lock up the plate after a little while i consented a fleeting flush tingled lecoq's pale cheeks are you sure he told you that the duc de sairmeuse received every monday evening he asked eagerly certainly how else could i have known it he even mentioned the name you uttered just now a name ending in us a strange thought had just flitted through lecoq's mind what if may and the duc de Saint-Moose should be one and the same person but the notion seemed so thoroughly absurd so utterly inadmissible that he quickly dismissed it despising himself even for having entertained it for a single instant he cursed his inveterate inclination always to look at events from a romantic impossible side instead of considering them as natural commonplace incidents after all there was nothing surprising in the fact that a man of the world such as he supposed May to be should know the day set aside by the duc de sarmus for the reception of his friends the young detective had nothing more to expect from couturier he thanked him and after shaking hands with the superintendent walked away leaning on father absinthe's arm for he really had need of support his legs trembled his head whirled and he felt sick both in body and in mind he had failed miserably disgracefully he had flattered himself that he possessed a genius for his calling and yet he had been easily outwitted to rid himself of pursuit May had only had to invent a pretended accomplice, and this simple stratagem had sufficed to nonplus those who were on his trail. Father Absinthe was rendered uneasy by his colleague's evident dejection. "'Where are we going?' he inquired. "'To the Palais de Justice, or to the Prefecture de Police?' Lecoq shuddered on hearing his question, which brought him face to face with the horrible reality of a situation. "'To the Prefecture?' he responded. "'Why should I go there?' To expose myself to Gavreau's insults, perhaps? I haven't courage enough for that. Nor do I feel that I have strength to go to Monsieur Sigmulet and say, Forgive me, you have judged me too favorably. I am a fool. What are we to do? I don't know. Perhaps I shall embark for America. Perhaps I shall throw myself into the river. He had walked about a hundred yards, when suddenly he stopped short no he exclaimed with a furious stamp of his foot no this affair shan't end like this i have sworn to have the solution of the enigma and i will have it for a moment he reflected then in a calmer voice he added there is one man who can save us a man who will see what i haven't been able to discern who will understand things that i couldn't let us go and ask his advice my course will depend on his reply. Come. End of section thirty nine.